Hey guys, it's Charles. Are you a lazy millennial like me who doesn't have the time, energy, or work ethic to actually read a book? If so, you're in luck. Head over to audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge to get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Reading is for chumps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to episode 42 of the Setting the Edge podcast. I'm Justin Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-O-M-O-S-Q, the Jew Mosque. I'm here with my co-host, Charles McDonald. Uh, setting the Edge, Setting the Hedge, episode one for this season at Four Birds. Say what's up to people, Charles? What's up? Let's try to make some money this weekend. It's first weekend of the regular season, and lines have been out. They've moved all over the place, and we're going to break it down for you right here. So hopefully we can all be a little bit richer come Monday, or come Tuesday morning, actually. Yeah. The the bummer for me was the Tampa-Miami game getting rescheduled, because that was one of like the biggest swings. So that game opened up at two and a half, uh, Miami being a favorite, and they ended up being a, a three-point home dog. By the time they pulled this this game off the board, so that's a five and a half point line swing. Um, that's fairly significant. I would venture to guess that that's the difference between Ryan Tannehill and Jay Cutler and uh, j- just the hard knocks hype for the Buccaneers. Um, but I'm not sure if Jay Cutler is any worse than Ryan Tannehill. To be totally honest. Yeah, we'll see. I, I just kind of worry about Cutler this season because he was already committed to being retired and he was you know, about to accept that Fox gig, and then he just Somebody handed him $10 million, of course, you're going to go get that money. But I, I, I just wonder how, how ready he is for the season. All right, so let's start with the Thursday night game, uh, the one everyone wants to talk about. It opened up with New England being a seven-point favorite at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. It is now between eight and nine points. Um, Chiefs being an underdog on the road. Uh, if this line were flipped, six-point swing, right, three points for home field advantage on both ends. Probably ends up meaning that Kansas City would be a three-point, you know, a field goal underdog at home against the Patriots if it were, if it were played that way. Um, this game basically assumes that the uh, Patriots scored like 28 points. They have to score like 29 points to basically beat the spread, beat the over, right? Um, Kansas City would have to score 20. Uh, in the, in the last year, in 16 games, they scored over 20 points uh, 11 times, and it, it, it's just amazing to me. Like they're nine point underdogs. They they lost one game out of fifteen last year, or they were more than nine by more than nine points, and they get that nine point as a push. So as long as you can find that, I mean, to be totally honest, I th- I think Kansas City's a move here. I don't know because that that nine point nine nine's a big number for any NFL game, but <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So they would be three point they would be three point dogs at home, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of what how, what teams are dogs right now by that many or more. It's Cleveland, San Francisco, and Chicago this week. So they like basically like New England makes Kansas City look like a team that's picking in the bottom three. I mean, that's not who Kansas City really is. Like they're gonna play you close no matter what. Yeah, I just I just wonder how much Alex Smith can do against that that Patriots defense because I, I I feel like that's gonna be a really awful game to watch from the Kansas City Chiefs offensive perspective because they have the secondary to match up with whatever uh, Kansas City wants to do and you know the captain check down Alex Smith is I, I just see them struggling to keep pace with Tom Brady if they're able to get off to a hot start but nine points is a lot um, 
I, I, I'm still going to take the Patriots here, though. Bill Belichick at home, I, I'm, I'm going to take that opportunity almost every time. So I'm looking the last couple times. So the last two times, the only two times, I believe that Alex Smith has played the New England Patriots. That's kind of amazing that he's only played them two times. Um, the last time was a Patriots win in the playoffs, a 27-20 game. One, one, they kept it with the nine points. Two, they scored 20 or more points, right? Um, and then a loss, a 41-14 loss in, in uh, Kansas City. So the Patriots, basically, if, if you were to put this spread on the last two Patriots-Alex Smith games, you'd be 2-0 putting money on Alex Smith. 2-0 putting money on Alex Smith? Yes, because if, if, if it were a nine-point line, they would have covered the last game. And the Alex Smith uh, won by, what is that, 27 points? Their only other game, their only regular season matchup oh, head-to-head? Oh, that was, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was like Monday night uh, two years ago, I think. It, 2014, yeah, so September 2014. I think that was when we were like, Tom Brady's dead. Yeah. I think that was Tom Brady's dead and Andy Dalton's running the best offense in the league. Oh, yeah, that was exactly the game <laughs> when we were like, is Tom Brady done? Should Jimmy should the, should the Patriots trade Tom Brady and start Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, oh, my God. And that was when Jimmy Garoppolo was a rookie. We don't know shit. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give you uh, New England by eight because eight is still on the board. All right. All right, sounds good. Uh, which one of these horrible morning games do we want to go after? Uh, let's just get the Jets and the Bills out of the way. Uh, All right. I mean, if you're putting money on this game, I, I, this is how I look at it. If you're putting money on this game, let alone watching this game, seek help. I, I, I don't want to touch this game with a, with a pole. Um, it's really hard to find a money line that's like, or like a money line or a point spread that's really worth it. I mean, it was five and a half. It opened at five and a half. You can find it at nine and a half now, seven and a half to nine and a half, depending on what book you're using. Uh, this line has moved three points. Um, which is the it's tied for third among games this week. Um, really, just like this, just it's just bad, man. Do you do you want to bet on Buffalo uh, laying ten, or do you want like the Jet? You think the Jets are going to keep it within ten? I don't want any part of that. I think the best move here is honestly the over. Um, this line would basically expect the Buffalo Bills scoring uh, twenty four or less, right? Uh, the Buffalo Bills, 13 out of 16 last year, they scored 25 or more points. Uh, the Jets are expected to score 15 or less. Uh, they scored uh, 19, or they scored uh, they scored 16 at least nine times last year out of 16. So if you're going to go with something, uh, if you're looking at teams collectively that should score more points based off of last season compared to what the what the over under on these games are, um, the Buffalo Bills and New York Jets, that's that's your best bet this week for an over. Um, I think I'm going to ride that way because I don't trust either of these teams as far as I can throw them. I'm just going to bet on both of these teams just having a bad defense and at least getting this to 21-20. Uh, yeah, that's possible, but I, I, I'm actually going to take the under on that one. I mean, You're going to take the under? I'm going to take oh, the God. under just because I, I think the, the Bills will be able to score uh, on the Jets. I don't trust the Jets to score on a high school defense, let alone a defense that still has a good defensive line and you're throwing out. Josh McCown uh, as your starting quarterback with no weapons, no offensive line. It, it's really just like him and Bilal. So I'm going to take the under on that. We free, we free Bilal. Um, the thing, though, about the Jets, the weird – I mean, I guess they have a new offensive coordinator. He's the, I think he was the wide receivers coach from the New Orleans Saints. Um, the thing about the Jets last year is they could actually, like – they weren't the worst at scoring. Um, it's just they threw a bunch of picks. Like, they were just bad at being a functional football team. Like, if you look at – 
the Jets is like yards per completion, super high. Like I think they were like top five in the league in yards per completion. Uh, the problem is they just weren't completing a whole lot of balls. Um, so I guess, I guess we'll see. I mean, that offense, clearly there's a difference between Josh McCown and Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though they're both bad. They're bad in different ways. Uh, what's our next game? Uh, next game, let's talk about why this uh, Falcons-Bears game might be one you want to stay away from. Yeah, so Chicago opened up as six-point dogs at home. Uh, usually that's a red flag. Uh, it's, it's up to seven now when I looked at it. Um, really, so like Chicago, like the expected points that we're getting from Chicago, they've only covered that three times out of the past 13. Um, there's really no feel for like the overall, like over. It's just a weird line where they're kind of like expecting too much from Chicago and too little from Atlanta at the same time. But then you're going to put money on a, 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 like a wide open offense, right? That's used to playing in a dome in Chicago on the road, on grass, as seven-point favorites on the road. So, like, if this line were in Atlanta, you figure that six-point swing, that would make Atlanta 13-point favorites against Chicago at home. That's a lot of points, man. Like, that's just a lot of points. And I think we were pretty decent fans of Chicago relative to uh, what other people thought, right? And then, I mean, I guess they're starting Mike Lennon. But I just – this is just – I don't – I want no parts of this. This is my one, like, punt of the week. Yeah, I, I, I don't want anything to do with this either. Because I think like when you just look at the personnel that the Bears have, I, I, I think that in the front seven and the offensive line, they can match up with Atlanta. Uh, They're better than Atlanta, like offensive line and defensive line, pass rushers for sure, but, linebackers. Yeah, and then, well, maybe, we'll see. I'm still Debo fan. <laughs> Debo, ride or die. But the, like where it really starts to shift is when you look at how – Chicago's receivers compared to Atlanta's cornerbacks and vice versa. Yes. And, and that's just a huge anything close to the numbers, yeah. anything close to the numbers and throwing the court, throwing a ball. That's the hugest difference. Yeah. So you like, you're going to have Kevin white who we don't know anything about. Uh, Kendall Wright, who is, I mean, he, he's a solid number three, but I think he's going to be number two with Cameron Meredith out and you're going against, you know, Trufant, Alfred, and then on the back side, you have Julio Jones, Taylor Gabriel, Tevin Coleman going against uh, whoever Chicago has in their secondary. So, like, if there's a, a breaking point on that, I, I think it, it would just be Atlanta's favor in the skill positions. But still, at home, first game of the season, six point, uh, I, I don't want to touch that. No, no, no way I'm touching that thing with the 10 foot pole. Like, just go, go enjoy a different game. Go put money. Yeah, I'd rather put money on the Jets bills over honestly than that game all right so let's let's go with another one all right uh next baltimore at cincinnati 1 p.m in cincinnati well of course I think yeah that that one's kind of interesting so uh that that line's moved too so it was one and a half cincinnati it's moved to three has cincinnati done anything in the last like month that would make you think that this is any sort of good idea to put money on cincinnati and that like they should be receiving more more of the bet i mean other than i guess it would be flacco uh no, but even Flacco, that that's he whoever is at quarterback is not really changing my opinion of what this is. Right. Uh, but you know people were were surprised I think with how the the Bengals offensive line held up in the preseason, but they they played Washington, Indianapolis, the Chiefs, and the Bucks. So you know I, I think the Chiefs have a respectable defensive line. The Bucks are are fairly hit and miss after Gerald McCoy and Chris Baker. Um, I, I, I just think Baltimore's front seven just kicks 
Cincinnati's ass. And it, like this is this is you know this is these are the type of games that John Harbaugh tends to find himself in, where it's just grind grind it out till the end, and then we'll rely on Justin Tucker to kick a few field goals for us. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that Baltimore covers the spread. And I, I think that they win the game. I, I just I don't see with that offensive line against that front seven. I don't I don't see how Cincinnati can consistently sustain drives versus Baltimore. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna give me that that full three points where Cincinnati can win by a field goal and it's a push, I'll just take Baltimore. It's it's not even worth it. So that's the way I'm gonna ride. So you, you're you're in with that one too. I'm glad we can finally agree on the damn game. Like <laughs> five five picks into this. All right. Uh, the next game is. Hold on, I, lo- I lost my tracker because I clicked on the Bengals page. Uh, just, uh, Pittsburgh, Ball- Cleveland. Yeah, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh, Cleveland. This opened at eight and a half. You can still find it at eight and a half. You can find it at ten. Uh, ten point, ten point home dog, Cleveland Browns against Pittsburgh. Um, not great. Not not a great number. Pittsburgh would only cover would have only covered a ten point line. Uh, five times last year and the Browns at least kept it close uh, this basically expects the Browns to score under 19 points right uh, Cleveland Cle- Cleveland scored more than that 10 out of 16 times and they might have a better quarterback than they did at all last season so um, I don't know this is this is one where you're expecting a lot of points for some reason like especially from the Pittsburgh side of the ball uh, the under might be the move here, but I think I'm just going to go just Cleveland plus 10 at home. Like, that, that's just a lot of points. Like, usually you can bet – like, there was a point in the NFL where you could basically bet double-digit dogs, like, blindly. This is a double-digit dog at home in a in a division game, first game of the year, when we're trying to figure out who is and, who like, what, what your offense is supposed to mean. Um, there's no – I mean – Miles Garrett got hurt, right? That just came out. Uh, ben Roethlisberger might get hurt while Mike Miles Garrett gets hurt. Gets hurt this week. Who's to say? Um, you have, have like Le'Veon Bell coming off. Like he hasn't really practiced with the team at all. Um, ben Roethlisberger, we don't know if he's totally in it. Like I just think there's a lot going on here for Cleveland to be a ten point home dog. Yeah, and this this is a different Cleveland team than last year. Their offensive line is much, much better than it was last year. Joe Thomas, Easily. Joel Batonio, uh, <laughs> Jason Treader, Kevin Zeiler. Like, that's actually a really good offensive line. So, at worst, I, I think they'll be able to keep it on the ground versus Pittsburgh. I, I, that'll be a fun battle to watch. Uh, Javon Hargrave and Cam Hayward and Stefan Tula against that Cleveland offensive line. But I think they'll be able to squat on the ball enough at home to keep it within 10 by the end of the game. I don't expect them to win, but I, I, don't, I think 10 at home. Yeah, I think you got to take that one every time. Yeah, because that's the thing with Cleveland, right, is their their running game was weird in a certain way where it was like basically like their yards per carry were great, right? Um, but the tackle for loss percentage was horrible, like the worst in the league by far. So it was like they're kind of like the Jets passing offense, you know what I mean? Where it's like their yards per completion are high, but their completion percentage is super low. That's basically what Cleveland was. So like you saw them get like 16-point leads and things like that and blow it last year. Like, this was still a team that got six point, 16 point leads last year. Um, the only problem was they weren't able to, like, run out the clock to keep that keep that lead going. So um, maybe Hugh Jackson was reading games, just to say. But if not, uh, you know, that running game should absolutely, like, be turned around. We talked about this all offseason, where their offensive line basically went from having, like, two studs to having four studs. And four studs basically makes you the best offensive line in football right now. Yep. I. Uh... So, yeah, I think we're both on board with Cleveland plus 10. So let's move on to Arizona at Detroit. And initially this was a stay-away game for you, but 
I, I, I think that – I just think Arizona is a much better team than, than Detroit. And I, I know playing at 1, 1 p.m. on Eastern time usually doesn't bode well for West Coast teams. But when you look at Detroit, you look at Arizona, there's a, a, a very stark – talent difference and I think that's more than enough to make up those three points so I'm gonna take Arizona plus three what numbers do you have on that yeah so um Arizona plus three that that line's gone it opened up at three uh it's at it's at uh Detroit being a one and a half point uh underdog at home to being a pick em. so this line is swung four and a half points to three points however you want to see it um away from Detroit to Arizona who's on the road early game for a west coast team and, like, my first initial reaction, because you look at the numbers and you're like, neither of these teams should really be able to do that much, right? Like, neither of these teams really are living up to the standard that this line is set out. Um, but then I started thinking about it, and I'm, like, 90% sure that if you track when this money started coming in, I bet you it was, it was around the Matt Stafford extension. And people, when all those numbers were being tweeted out about Matt Stafford's record against teams over 500 – and I bet a bunch of public money and sharp money just ends because that's the thing too is like that Matt Stafford like those Matt Stafford stats a lot of that stuff originated from like gambling Twitter and things of that nature because I remember betting Matt Stafford betting against Matt Stafford against the spread on the road against like playoff caliber teams was like a bet that people have been doing for like four or five years or something like that um, so I bet a lot of money ended up going that way we'll see Sunday morning probably if the sharps will will ring in and let us know on Sunday morning if this line has gotten out of hand. Because if they wanted Detroit, you can get them as a pick them at home now instead of being three-point favorites. I think the move is probably Arizona on the road. Even if you have to give up a point and a half, I mean, it's basically pick them. You might as well take the money line on that in that situation. But um, I don't know. I, I think that's where this is going. But up until this morning where I really thought about it, that was this was probably like my second least confident game outside of the Atlanta-Chicago game. Yep. Uh, the next game that we can talk about is the Jaguars at the Texans. I, I, you talk about the spread a little bit. I would just want to look up some more some prop bets on this game because I feel like that might be more interesting than actually betting the spread. Yeah, so it's a disgusting game. Uh, Houston opened up as a four-point favorite. They're now at a four-and-a-half to six-point favorite, so it's swung in, in favor of them. Um, Houston is basically expected to score uh, 23 points. Uh, they only did that four times. Can you imagine that? They only scored 23 points four times last season and still made the playoffs. Um, this team also has a, a, an expected point differential of like five to six, right? So basically they had to score six points uh, to, to, end up, to end up winning this. They only won four games by six points last year and still made the playoffs. Like The fact that this team made the playoffs last year is honestly amazing. They probably shouldn't be six-point favorites at home. Um, Tom Savage may get his first NFL passing touchdown this week, and you have that lining up against Blake Bortles. This is kind of a situation where it's like you might not have another chance to bet money on Tom Savage being a six-point favorite at home, but we also, like, after this game, Blake Bortles might be pulled and end up being, like, a scout team safety. Yeah, I just found one of the prop bets. Uh, This is from Mark Long, works for the Associated Press. Among prop bets by Betting Dime, Jaguars quarterback Blake Bortles has one to one odds of getting benched in opener at Texas. Fournette is five to two to get hundred rushing yards. So, <laughs> Which one are you gonna take? Are you gonna take <laughs> Bortles being benched live? Dude, I, I think I, I think I am gonna take that. Put that in as my bet. Okay. I don't I, I don't I'm done betting on positive things happening to the Jaguars. They took too much <laughs> last year. I 
Yeah, man. I, I wish I could stay away from this game, but I know, I know I don't have the mental fortitude to be able to get that done. I'm probably going to end up talking myself into taking Jags plus six. But moving on, let's not talk about this game ever again. Next game, another West Coast team coming across for a 1, 1 p.m. Eastern game, Oakland Raiders at the Tennessee Titans. Yes, so uh, Tennessee opened up as a one-point favorite. You can find it at one or two points right now. Um, Oakland, this basically, if Oakland hits 25, they should be able to hit higher than their expected points, right, based on the point spread and the total, right? Uh, Oakland did that 11 times last year, and they're expecting Oakland to lose by two or less, right, or win or win outright, right? Uh, Oakland did that 12 times. So I think I think Oakland's the move here. Like, Oakland plus two even though after after all the trashing that we did of the Oakland Raiders, after all the pimping out of what we did with the Tennessee Titans, um, I think Oakland Oakland plus two is probably the move because these teams are these teams are close to even, and that's not what this line reflects at all. Uh, yeah, the only thing that I kind of get afraid about betting on the Oakland side is, man, what if, and I think this is a very real possibility, like. Tennessee just comes out and just steamrolls them on the ground. Um, well, here, here's the thing about Tennessee is Tennessee's basically expected to score 27 points. They only they didn't they, they failed to do that 10 times last year. Yeah, and that's what they're expecting right now, which is a, a very weird thing because if you look at any of like these, it's kind of weird to me that the money has swung toward Tennessee, honestly, because if you look at any of these sites that have like you can track. Uh, where money is being placed, how many bets, how much money, and you can figure out where big money is and small money and all that stuff. Uh, there, there's also been pieces written about this too, where the Oakland Raiders are getting more bets to win the Super Bowl in Vegas than the New England Patriots are. Like Oakland basically has twice as many Super Bowl bets on them as any other team in the league, and the money is swinging away from them in Week One. That's kind of that's super weird to me. Uh. Yeah, it, it is, but at the same time, I, I can't get the image of Jared Goff going ham on that defense. And I, I know I know it was the preseason, but but still, I, I'm taking Tennessee. Obi's on, Obi's on IR. Yeah, uh, so once again, it's just Khalil Mack and, like, Bruce, I think we're on the train that Bruce Irvin is a solid player, but the drop-off from Khalil Mack to Bruce Irvin in terms of talent is massive, and I don't think that Bruce Irvin can be your second best player. So, man, it, it, it's just, uh, I, I think it's going to be a rough go for that Oakland defense. Okay, let's take out Darrell Casey from the Tennessee Titans defense. Who is the second best defender? I think I know what the answer is, but I don't know the answer to the third. Uh, are you taking a Rackpo or Morgan? Probably yeah, not. I'm going to take a Rackpo. All right, then Morgan, probably third. Morgan is the third. So I would say... Oakland's number one is better than Tennessee's number one. Yeah. Would you take Bruce Irvin over Brian Arakpo? That's mm, honestly a coin flip. That yeah, that's a push to me. And then third, you're taking Tennessee. Yeah. But then after that, there's basically no one on that defense anyway. I know, but even just the prospects of the unknown of a Dory Jackson and maybe Logan Ryan is more appealing to me than what what I saw Oakland do this preseason. Uh, I, saw, I saw Logan Ryan do some stuff this preseason yeah. against the Jets, and it wasn't good. So yeah. I don't, I don't know if I want to be on that boat. Yeah, I think I just think that this game is probably closer than you expect. Honestly, if you're going to take Oakland plus two, you might as well just take the money line. You're going to get plus money on that anyway. So um, 
that's probably the move. All right, so next game, I'm trying to think of what the early games are that are still alive. Is Philly Washington an early game? Um, yes, it is. It's the last early game. Uh, Philadelphia at Washington, 1 p.m. on Fox. Uh, Washington opened this game as a two and a half point favorite, and now they're a point. They're a one point dog. That's a huge line swing. Yeah. And this is first. So this is this basically. So this game expects Philadelphia to score 24 points. They failed to do that ten times last year, and they expect them to basically win outright, which they only did seven times last year. Um, that that's a weird one. That's a really weird one. Uh, how how is this offense getting so much better than last year? Is it just simply Alshon Jeffrey is worth a couple points? Because like quarterbacks are worth six. Like if you look at it from a gambling perspective, uh, if Ben Roethlisberger goes down and like Landry Jones comes in, that's worth six points and only six points. So I don't know how much you would value Alshon Jeffrey in that situation. Yeah, what's what's interesting to me is, I think this is a year that it, it starts to fall apart for Kirk Cousins because our, our pal Keen Fay, he's he's done a lot of work with, uh, you know, his quarterback catalog and that. That offense was really, really reliant on their supporting cast. Like D- Deshaun Jackson, he'll make a bad pass a sixty-yard game when it's deep because he's that good at tracking the ball. I mean, Pierre Garçon, he's a steady receiver, and I feel like you're walking into a lot of unknown right now with Josh Doxson. We we know nothing about him. Uh, Jameson Crowder is five eight. I mean, he's a good player, but if he's you know your number two receiver to whoa, you're you're the you're the one height shaming uh, receivers this week. That's I, I, interesting. I, I wasn't expecting that. Unless he's Steve Smith, I don't want to mess short being my number one. Uh, but uh, and even Terrell Pryor, like he, his play tapered off a lot towards the end of last season. So I, I feel like there's a lot of unknown with this passing game. Um, man, but that's a tough line because I don't trust Washington, but I don't trust Carson Wentz. Okay, let, let me put it this way. If this game were in Philadelphia, the Eagles would be a full touchdown favorites over the Redskins. How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel a little bit better. You would feel better about the Eagles being a seven-point seven point favorite at home than being a one-point favorite on the road? Uh, no. I, you know what? I, I, <laughs> See, okay. I, 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 okay, I actually like Philly for this one just because – I, I I think they're a better team overall. I think that defense is. I mean, even though they do have a good offensive line, I, I think that defense is going to mess with Kirk Cousins a little bit. And uh, you know, I I don't trust Washington's defense whatsoever. So even like the even in addition of uh, Alshon Jeffrey, I think that could be a huge factor for them coming Sunday. Who who's Sua Craven's backup? Because I feel like that's the guy that Philadelphia's uh, going to get the target. I actually just looked. At, it's what with that guy who used to play for Texas A and M, DeShazor Everett. Wait, that's a that's like a DB though. Isn't isn't Sua a linebacker? No, they moved. Wait, no, they moved DeShazor. They moved. I'm so confused. I thought he was a safety that ended up playing linebacker, not a linebacker that played safety. This is this is too yeah, confusing. Played, I can't keep track of everything. He played middle linebacker last year, and then they moved him to safety. But then they moved him to safety. All right. Yeah. No. Zach, I, Zach Brown to take his spot at linebacker. I'd quit too if they kept dicking me around like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so what do we what do we got now? We got the early games. So we would probably Carolina San Francisco that that barn burner. Yeah, Carolina Panthers at San Francisco 4:25 on God's time. Let's see. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is a pretty gross game. Uh, this game opened up with the 49ers being a four-point home dog. You can find it at six and a half to five and a half now. So this line's swung, you know, at least two and a half points by some by some books. Um, this line basically expects uh, Carolina playing winning 
27-21 against San Francisco. The Carolina Panthers only scored 27 points uh, six times last year, so they failed to do it 10 times. San Francisco 49ers failed to score 21 points 10 times also. Um, if you're going to go anyway with this, the under is 48, which is eight points higher than uh, than the, the New York Jets-Buffalo Bills game. Um, the Bills probably have the best offense, at least last year, they had the best offense out of these four teams. Um, Carolina, San Francisco under 48. Like, I, I, I think that could be it. I mean, this easily could, like, if Carolina won like 17 to three, would you be shocked at all? No, but I, 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 I'm, I'm still high off Kyle Shanahan, what he did to me last year. Yeah, that's like good shit. <laughs> that good shit. And you need a cigarette after, but I, I, CJ I, Beathard. I, have we figured out what, what CJ and CJ Beathard stands for yet? No, nah, I have not. And I don't think that I need to find out. Mm, KCJ Sunshine Beathard is what it is on his. It's KCJ quotation marks Sunshine, like as a as a nickname, I guess. Beathard is what it says on his Wikipedia page, and Wikipedia wouldn't lie to me. So the J just stands for J. That it might stand for Jesus. That's fairly fairly amazing. But what, what, so what did you say the spread? Because I'm taking the 49ers on this spread. I, I think. The- you think the Niners are going to win? Well, uh, you can find them at six and a half. I don't so think if you want, win. I think they can. I think they can be competitive this year. All right, six and a half. Yeah, six and a half. Put me in. All right, you got it. You got it, boss. That's. I'm not taking that shit. Um, <laughs> good. Good luck to you. OG Shanna fan. I'm still here. Sure. Uh, what else do we got? We got uh, Indianapolis, Los Angeles, the Rams. Oh, we got to talk about this at least a little bit. So this game ended up or started with uh, the Rams being three-point home dogs, you know, as they should, and has now moved to them being three-point favorites because of the drop-off from Andrew Luck to Scott Tolzien. So this is Vegas telling you, or three-and-a-half points. You can find it at three-and-a-half. So this can tell you, you know, basically the difference between Andrew Luck and Scott Tolzien is six-and-a-half points in the eyes of Vegas. So if you think he's worth more, do what you want. But that's basically how you value – Quarterbacks like a JJ Watt being gone from Houston, I think it affected the Texans spread by like one point a game last year. Like players really aren't worth that much in the relative scheme of things. Uh, home field advantage is worth about the difference between or half the difference between the worst quarterback in the league starting in a given week and the best quarterback in the league starting a given week. Um, this line expects the uh, Los Angeles Rams to score 23 points. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams did that. Two times out of 16 games last year. Yeah, they did. But we also have a new head coach, Sean McAvey, versus Chuck Pagano. So, I don't know. Okay. Trust more. I trust Sean McAvey. Yeah, but I, I, I just think on the offensive side, and this, this is more a reflection on the Colts than it is the Rams. I, I think that the, the Rams are much more talented on the offensive side of the ball than the Colts are defensively. And, you know, that, that's I'm not trying to heap praise onto Les Snead, but uh, Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tavon Austin, a, a secondary that's missing Vontae Davis, I could see them capitalizing on that. But I, you, you got to take in the Jared Goff and Todd Gurley factor, who both might be dead. And that, that's a, yep. it's, there's a lot going on there. So I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take the Rams. Three and a half, just because I don't trust Scott Toizine, and I think outside of like Hankins and Simon, and uh, that's really it. I don't. I don't think they have anybody on that defense. Um, have you looked at the situation? So, as someone who has had to write about the Los Angeles Rams through the preseason for football guys, um, 
I can tell you the Rams basically haven't played any of their players in the preseason. So, like, Taewon Austin hasn't been playing because he has a hamstring. Um, basically, their entire front seven hasn't played. Uh, they kept Robert Robert Quinn. People forget this. Robert Quinn just straight up, like, left camp at some point this preseason and then came back. And then they wouldn't play him because of, quote, unquote, maintenance. So I have no idea what the hell is going on with Robert Quinn. Uh, Aaron Donald clearly isn't going to play. Uh, I think the starters right now are Ethan Westbrook, Michael Brockers, and Tanzel Smart on the defensive line. Yeah. Um, Quinn isn't going to start, so that probably means that Samson Ibukam, who la- whose last game was with Eastern Washington, an FCS team, is probably going to end up starting uh, opposite of Connor Barwin, who was ran out of Philadelphia because he probably would have been the fourth best pass rusher. You know, just in terms of defensive ends, not even interior defensive linemen there. Uh, Alex Ogletree missed games. Mark Barron missed games. Tremaine Johnson, I think, has had one interception since his double franchise tag. And then Kayvon Webster, who's the starter opposite of uh, Tremaine Johnson at cornerback, was named cornerback before they traded EJ Gaines to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Webster came from Denver where he had like one career start or something like that just because he knew uh, Wade Phillips. Uh, was named starter and then promptly played zero snaps in the preseason. So like we re- like we have no idea what this Rams defense looks like. I know a lot of people like lean on Rams defense. You know, it's good even though, you know, the offense isn't good. We haven't seen this defense at all and they're transitioning from a 4-3 to a 3-4, which I know it's a, a bit of its semantics, but it's a new playbook, new communication. And uh, if you're trying to figure out coverages when TY Hilton is running, that's not a great situation to be in. No, but you've been through the Scott Toysian experience. I I don't know. I, I think that Wade Phillips will be able to handle this one. So I'm going to take the Rams. Do what you need to do. I'm, I'm not riding with Goff at all. All right. Uh, I think our last late game is uh, – our afternoon game is Seattle Green Bay. Yes, it is. Uh, Seahawks, whatever it is, put me on there. Uh, yep. I, I'm glad, glad we're on the same boat. This game was at three. It's now three and a half, which means, you know, including three-point home field advantage, do you think the Packers are better than the Seahawks? Hell no. Absolutely. That is not true. There's no way that that's true. Um, this game expects the Seattle Seahawks to score uh, 23 points or fewer. The Seahawks scored 24 points or more in 12 of the last 16 games. Um, guess what? The Packers aren't a top five defense that they've seen in the past year. No. That, that's not true. There's there's no way. Uh, Kyle Fackrell made this roster. That's not true. Ahmad, uh, Ahmad Brooks is uh, is starting or is like the third the third uh, running or the third outside linebacker for this team, and he got signed after the free agency cuts. Yeah, uh, I, I, see, it's kind of weird to me that you keep seeing people have Green Bay in their Super Bowl predictions, and I mean obviously you can be random because no one expected like the Falcons to to make that run that they did, but. I don't know. I, I don't like this defense at all. I, I, I like I like Mike Daniels, Nick Perry to an extent, but w- like the way Russell Wilson was playing in the preseason, if he carries that over to next week versus Green Bay, he's I think he's going to light that defense up. And then when you come back on the other side and they just added Sheldon Richardson to what was arguably the, arguably the best defensive line in the NFL, they're going to get after the passer. They're going to stop the run. Um, I, I just think Seattle's talent in this situation is overwhelming for Green Bay. Dude, it's it's not gonna be close. So like, when we were doing the when I did the pick game by game, basically pick if a game is gonna be close or if a game is gonna be a blowout, right? To figure out what I thought the playoff seeding was gonna be. Seattle and Green Bay were tied for the one seed, but Seattle, in terms of the power rankings, it, it wasn't close. You know what I mean? Um, so like, Green Bay can be the number two seed in the NFC only because the schedule for the Dallas Cowboys is so hard this year, or expected to be so hard this year, right? 
Um, but that doesn't mean I think that they have Super Bowl caliber talent. I really do. I think I was texting you about this, or maybe it was in our group chat, where I was like, there's like two teams basically in each division that's competing for a Super Bowl right now as far as I see. I think it's Pittsburgh and New England in the AFC, right? And then it's Dallas and Seattle in the NFC, which is not to say that the NFC isn't more competitive than the AFC. But Seattle and Dallas are like, man, w- when they're on, I don't know if anyone in the league can stop them. Yeah, I, I just I, I, it's gonna be interesting to see how Dallas keeps up with that uh, Ezekiel Elliott suspension, which will be in place after Week One. So you, you still have him for Week. Uh, yeah, you still have him this week against the Giants. I, I, I yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm more I'm higher on Atlanta than you are, and I, I think Dallas's schedule is gonna kill. Them. They have no defense. Yeah. They have a worse defense than the Cowboys. Not this year. Not this, year. <laughs> Not this year. That's where I put my foot down. All right, so speaking of the Cowboys, Giants-Cowboys, uh, this game opened up with the Cowboys being five-and-a-half-point favorites even after the Ezekiel Elliott announcement uh, yesterday. It's down to three points and four points, depending on where you want to see it. Um, so that, that's that's a weird line. So this game basically it, it's expecting a 26-23 uh, 20, game for uh, with Dallas winning by a field goal, right? Um, Dallas would have covered that 11 times, and the Giants would have only covered that four times last year. So what are we doing with that one? So like, I, I feel like the easy lean is the Cowboys, even though that this line has dropped, as with them being like three-point favorites at home. Like I'm, I really don't understand why the money would have been going on the Giants other than the Ezekiel Elliott suspension. But even then, Ezekiel Elliott's worth two and a half points over whoever their second running back is, but Andrew Luck is only worth six points over over. Scott Tolzien? Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. I think the only way you could really talk yourself into putting money on the Giants is if you look at the history of last season with Dak Prescott versus the Giants, and he kind of struggled, especially in that second game later in the season. But I don't know if you want to bank on that coming forward. Obviously, the Giants have a much better defense than the Cowboys do. But I don't, I don't really trust Eli Manning this year. I know he has all those great weapons with Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. Still no offensive line. Still no. Still no running line. game. Still no running game. And if you just look the way that, if you if you watch the way that Eli played towards the end of the last season, I mean that that playoff game at Green Bay, those passes were just dying once they got past the line of scrimmage. So, I I just don't know if they have the horses on the offensive line and we Eli's a question mark. I don't know if they can keep up with the Cowboys, even if, even with the Cowboys defense looking pretty suspect right now. I believe there's still injury concerns for Odell Beckham Jr. Too, which yeah, is like, uh, he mispracticed today with an ankle injury. Yeah. So why is this money on the giants? Like, I really don't understand when everyone's talking about how, like the amount of snaps that giants play, defenders were playing last year and how there's going to be injury regression and all sorts of stuff. Teams are low on them. Uh, the giants won't, an incredible amount of close games last year. Um, I just I just don't see how they end up covering this number when they don't score points on the offensive side of the ball. Like they they're they're a low scoring team on both ends of the ball, and that's how they end up winning games, staying in close. But um, scoring twenty three even against this Cowboys defense seems kind of out of line for this this Giants team. Uh, I want to go. I wanted to pedal back to Seattle Seahawks against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, there was an article written by uh, Albert Breer about how the uh, zone read is oh. dead now in the NFL. Um, yeah, we're going to retweet it during that game because Russell Wilson's running for 150 yards against Don Capers because that's what happens. Uh, in that piece, they were talking about how 
uh, Colin Kaepernick had had a transcendent playoff game against the Green Bay Packers because he ran for like 150 yards and passed for 250. And that's basically every Packers, like any spotlight game that the Packers have against a mobile quarterback, that's exactly what happens. So like horrible timing on this. Uh, go retweet that when it ends up happening. Um, I think our first Monday night game is New Orleans, Minnesota. Minnesota was a three and a half point favorite. You can still find it there and you can find it at three points. Um that's kind of interesting number to me honestly three points uh so minnesota vikings are expected to score 26 they only did that three out of 13 games last year uh the new orleans saints are expected to score 23 they did that 10 out of 10 out of 16 games last year so yeah uh man uh, it, it's just kind of hard i i i i, I kind of like this vikings offense and i know that they woefully underperformed. They, they've, looked, they've looked bad on defense and offense in the preseason. I don't think I've felt as strongly about the Vikings not being good um, as I've seen of any team this this preseason. Like, it, 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 it's very woeful for me because I thought the Vikings probably could have made a run for the Packers in the NFC North title race, and I thought I was going to plant my flag there, and then I watched the preseason, and I'm like, this is not good. Dalvin Cook's making more yards off of screens than he is running the ball. Yeah, but a game against the... Saints defense could be what the doctor ordered because that defensive line is ravaged. It's just Sheldon Rankins and Cam Jordan, and you you got a lot of young players in the secondary. I, I think that this is a situation that the the Vikings can kind of, can kind of overcome on offense just because I, I think they're more talented than the Saints defense. Now, if the Saints, if the if the Vikings defense still looks bad, then Drew Brees he's gonna light them up, and I, I think we're both in on Mark Ingram having. A solid year because he, I don't think Mark Ingram, Ingram he does every year yeah he's never been bad so I, I don't <laughs> get why people are always down on Mark Ingram because he's a pretty good running back um what's the over I'm, I'm gonna put it I'm gonna put it this way it's it's a uh, 48 the same as Carolina San Francisco um so I'm gonna put it this way if, if we think that this is gonna be a shootout right uh giving New Orleans the hook on plus three and a half like if if Minnesota wins by a field goal in a shootout against the Saints, New Orleans still covers. I'm taking that every single time. All right, I'll join you on that one. All right, there we go. I, I finally com- I finally convinced you on one of these damn lines to to switch to the dark side. Um, last one of the week are Los Angeles Chargers nuts and bolts fight for LA at the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos opened up as a three and a half point favorites. You can find this line, you know, minus three, minus three and a half. Um, this line expects the San Diego Chargers to score 20 or fewer points. They scored 21 or more points 12 out of 16 times last year. Um, Philip Rivers kind of has an in uh, against the Denver Broncos. Like, he, he kind of has a thing where, like, uh, what was it, the Thursday night game last year where, like, they needed to win basically to keep their, their coach's job alive and no one expected them to do it. Um, Philip Rivers just ends up winning against the Broncos. Like, he haunts that team. Yeah, and I, 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 um, I don't like – the Broncos offense matching up against this Chargers defense. I, I think Joey Bosa has a, a field day to start the season. Um, I, I kind of like the Chargers plus 3.5 because what what really scares you about their defense outside of their cornerbacks and Von Miller? Like the rest of it is, is pedestrian. Let, let's play a game called I Told You So. Uh, who has a better offense in this game? Chargers. Who has a better defense in this game? Uh, I, I guess the Chargers as well. I rest my case. Um, <laughs> I rest my case. I think I want to take the over. 
It's 43 and a half. That's a pretty low number. I think I think the Chargers might be able to get 43 and a half by themselves if this game ends up looking bad. Because, I mean, sure, Denver, Denver can shut down three offensive players with the coverages that they have, right? The problem is the Chargers have, like, six legitimate pass catchers. So, like, that game doesn't work when, like, Phillip Rivers is the king of, like, all right, I'll just sit back here and throw these damn, like, crossing routes until you guys move up and then throw the deep ball. Yep. Um, th- this could get ugly. And I, I think Melvin Gordon's going to have a big day. I think Joey Bosa has a big day. Uh, and I don't trust Trevor Simeon. If Trevor Simeon gets hurt, definitely don't trust Brock Osweiler. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take the Chargers plus three and a half. All right, Chargers plus three and a half. So let's recap it. Uh uh, Cleveland, uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland, we're both taking plus 10 Cleveland. Uh, Carolina at San Francisco, you're taking San Francisco plus 6.5. I'm taking the under of 48. Uh, Philadelphia at Washington, I'm taking Washington plus one. You're taking Philly straight up, which you could still find. We're both punting the Atlanta-Chicago game. That's our only punt pick uh, for this week. Uh, New York at Dallas, I'm taking Dallas minus three. I think you're taking Dallas minus three too. I forgot to mark it down. Yeah. All right. Uh, Arizona at Detroit. We're both taking Arizona in a pick'em game. Uh, you know, Matt Stafford against teams uh, against uh, teams that are over 500. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers at Denver. I'm taking the over of 43 and a half. You're taking the Chargers plus three and a half on the road. Uh, Seattle at Green Bay. Seattle plus three and a half for both of us at Green Bay. Um, you might money line it. Should we change that to money line? Yeah, might as well change it. To- <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just going money line on that one. New Orleans at Minnesota. New Orleans plus three and a half for both of us. Uh, the Jets against the Buffalo Bills. I'm taking over 40. Charles is taking under 40. I'm sure to win that one. If you if you were looking at any of our head-to-head gambling picks for this college for this weekend on college football, um, I'm almost assured to win that one. Uh, we're going to uh, Oakland at Tennessee. Oakland plus two for me. O- uh, Tennessee minus one for Charles. We'll see about that one. Uh, Baltimore at Cincinnati. We're both taking Baltimore plus three. Cincinnati at or, or, uh, Kansas City at New England. We're taking uh, Kansas City plus nine for me. New uh, New England minus eight for Charles. Jacksonville at Houston. I'm taking Jacksonville plus six because I hate myself and I love to lose money on Blake Bortles. Uh, speaking of which, so did you see when Kim Fahey Kim Fahey tweeted something about how I can't remember what it was, but basically like it led to the exact example of Blake Bortles throwing that interception against the. Uh, Atlanta Falcons with like three seconds left on the clock in the first half. Oh yeah, it was like two two years ago. We were in, I was in Vegas with uh, with Andrew and Eric, right? And I think the Jacksonville Jaguars were, were covering up to that point. And then like Blake Bortles basically threw like it ended up being a ten point play because they were like on the two yard line, yeah, like they were going to score a touchdown. Time. They threw like like threw like he threw an. It was and an it, awful pass, straight it, it, from all Touchdown time. saving interception, basically. Yeah, in the most brutal way. It got returned to like the 20, and then the Falcons with like one second left kicked a field goal. So, like, he literally turns touchdowns into field goals for the other team. Um, I end up losing money on that. Because he, yeah, has, man. he does have 11 pick sixes. He does, in fact, throw a Matt Schaub style pass every once in a while. Um, so I'm taking Jacksonville plus six because I hate myself. Uh, Charles is betting even that Blake Bortles is benched. Uh, Indianapolis at Los Angeles Rams. We're saving the best for last. I'm taking Indianapolis plus three and a half, three in the hook. And Charles is taking Indianapolis at Los Angeles minus three. Uh, all right. Yeah, that should cover it. Uh, oh, we have a new contributor for the site, David Kang. He, uh, yes, sir. Yeah, he's going to do he some. Works, he worked for the Bills. He's going to do some. Uh, Bears. Bears. Do, 
Yeah, close. Same thing. <laughs> Respect to David King. Uh, shouts to him. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, I'm not. I think it's the at, it's at Hurricane H U R R I K A N G. Dave is he the Dave or David? Sorry, we're, we're screwed up right now. But he's gonna be doing like quarterback analysis for us. He just finished a scouting internship with the Bears, so it, it's gonna be nice to have him aboard. Uh, see what uh, star reviews. Follow us on Twitter at Setting Edge. Uh, Eric, follow Eric Troman. Um, oh yeah. What do we have? What, what, what are you doing this year? So you're doing Football Outsiders. Yeah, I'm doing Football Outsiders and then stuff for the site. All right, so keep up with that. Uh, I'm doing BR stuff and Football Guys stuff. I'm not totally sure. Uh, I'm going to have a piece going up every week on Football Guys about, uh, like, I'm going to write the top five best and worst matchups for, like, it. somehow it involves, like, IDP and, like, fantasy stuff. I'm not sure how it works out. These guys just told me, hey, you write some more content about offensive and defensive lines, so we want to pair that up and figure out how to get a fantasy spin out of it. So we're doing that. Um, other than that, just follow us on Twitter. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Steal your girl's phone. Subscribe, unsubscribe, all that stuff. Give us a five-star review. Steal your grandmother's phone. All things of that nature. All right, yeah, and we will be back on Friday with hopefully somebody fun and interesting to interview. So see you guys then.